You are listening to the Practicing the Art of Small Business podcast with Shannon Merlot and Julie Parker. Join their conversation about business, leadership, and the self-awareness journey to greater success. Hello, Julie. How are you? I'm really, really super, super well. well. Even though our morning got off to a shaky start, being Julie. Did you? Did I make the earth move for you this morning? You, you. It must have been you because we were online together with your co- group coaching program, which I'm so thrilled to be a part of. But I didn't realise it was going to move me in such a profound way. Mm. <laughs> Congratulations! You, you're you're welcome. I actually thought that maybe I had the washing machine going, and you know how it's uneven and it starts to shake the apartment. Um, for those who haven't caught up, and because this will come out sometime in the future, uh, we had an earthquake this morning, which was quite shocking because Melbourne doesn't do earthquakes. Well, Australia doesn't really do earthquakes very well, but this one was a pretty significant one. Yeah, like I was like a little girl and I ran out of the house. Oh, you ran out of the house. I ran into the bathroom and laid on the floor. <laughs> just hysterical and when I ran out of the house of course I've come back into our zoom call and no one's there everyone's right up into there <laughs> and and we had we had I one person Sam was there I think just twiddling her thumbs going come on people it's okay <laughs> I don't I think other than than I was doing a lot of swearing going what's going on um I think that if that hadn't have had that dramatic kind of prelude we would have all run out and she would have been sitting there going uh, you bunch of weirdos. <laughs> yes. What the hell happened? I was quite bizarre. We're babysitting a dog at the moment, my stepdaughter's dog, and the dog just started running around the office. <laughs> Do you know what I realised? I never checked on the old lady. And when I say the old lady, the um, I don't think I've shared the cat, you know, my, my 21-year-old old small uh, cat. Um, I didn't check on her. <laughs> Is she okay? She's fine. She probably stayed asleep the whole time. She's in a... She probably just stretched. Like, was that the washing machine? That's been a dramatic start to the it day. It has been. Um, and I think we all kind of thought with the intense demonstrations and protesting that's going on and all the lockdowns, you know, in the middle of lockdown six is the endless lockdown in Victoria, I think all of us thought, what else is happening? We have to contend with anything. I am for? looking forward <laughs> to the plague of locusts. That's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll swap that way easily. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> Talking about plagues, though, Julie, I'm trying to form a a, a segue into the topic for today. Uh, What plagues you sometimes, Shannon? What plagues me sometimes? What plagues all? Well, I think what plagues a lot of us is a bit of fear. I know, crazy, right? Um, The fear of success and or the fear of failure. And this is something that you flagged a few, oh, it must have been a month or two ago as a, as a topic that we wanted to cover. And so the day has landed. And uh, in our pre-work, you showed me a beautiful presentation that you had done. So Julie is going to lead the charge for us today on fear of success and fear of failure. Uh, and I'm really excited because, um, yeah, I'm excited. 
I'm not afraid. You sound excited. I love how you're tempering your excitement just for me. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, for, for those who are listening, obviously, um, when Julie said, do you want to do this? And I said, I am ready to overcome my fear of failure dealing with this topic in the podcast. Let's go. Julie, why did you want to cover this off a little while ago? What, what was coming up for you where you were like, this feels like a podcast episode? Hmm. Two reasons. Number one, when people used to talk about fear of success, I would say to them, not say it, I would think to myself, crazy. Who would fear success? Success is good. <laughs> success means you're good at what you do. And it sometimes means more money coming in and more people admire what you're, what, what you're doing and the way you're doing it. You feel proud for yourself. So what's this fear of success? I don't understand it. These poor, wretched people out there that have this fear of success. And I also had the thought that fear of success, fear of failure, that's all just combined together, isn't it? Isn't that the same kind of thing? And so it did intrigue me. At the time, I said to Charles, who for those that don't recognise who Charles is, he's my husband. He's a motivational speaker about passion and very self-aware. And I said to him, what is this fear of success? And when he took me down the journey of it, I said to him, oh, my God, I fear success. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's me. I'm one of me. those. <laughs> not one of those people. I have no idea. I put my presentation that I showed you earlier, Shannon, together for my club members. So my business is offering a membership to dental practices where they get all these beautiful lessons every week on how to be more effective in their position and as a practice for their patients. And I did a whole month about goal setting. And this particular week within that month was getting over what stops us from achieving our goals. One of those things is fear of success and one of those things is fear of failure. And so I would love, Shannon, if it's okay, to tell you what fear of failure looks like and what fear of success looks like so we can help everybody see the difference between the two. Are you happy with yeah, that? Yeah, I, I can't wait. One thing that I'd love to add on before we go into the detail, because as mm. you showed me, something came up for me on a more meta level and I wonder whether just starting at that meta level might help our listeners before we go into the, the weeds. So back in... Back, back in coaching school, <laughs> I love coaching, love coaching school. <laughs> they're big. They talked about three universal fears, and those three universal fears is that I'm not enough, I won't be loved, and I won't belong. Ooh. Yeah. So, so a lot of our fears can break down on the whole meta level to those sorts of universal fears. And I think that when you went through the presentation with me, which, listen, I'm so excited that you're going to hear what Julie had because it's beautiful, <laughs> I chunked it up into those meta levels and thinking about, you know, that, that fear of belonging or fear of not belonging, it's all about that tribe, which I've talked about before. It's all about survivability. So a lot of these fears actually go back to, well, what am I, if I don't belong or I don't feel like I'm enough or I'm not loved, what's, what's the risk to my 
um, survival. You know, not to put too yeah. well, fine a point on it, but I think that, you know, yeah. for, for me it's helpful to chunk up to that level to start off with and then kind of come down to like here's some more tangible things. So I can't wait to get into the more tangible bits around success and failure and the difference between the two, which was really valuable for me. So, Chris, I've got some notes for you, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> this is so exciting, listeners. So as, you, as everyone knows that, you know, that whole classic diagram of the iceberg in the ocean, our conscious thoughts, the thoughts that we have active control over constantly, that's the very tip of the iceberg, that's what is quite obvious to us. If someone said to us, how are you feeling right now? What do you think right now? We'd be able to kind of grab that information from that top bit. But the stuff that is below the surface, all of our core beliefs, our values and and uh crocodile brain responses to the world this is what drives our mm. behavior and our belief around what failure can mean and about what success can mean to us if they are not helpful beliefs then they will hold mm. us back so to give you an example of what we might be telling ourselves about what failure means to us and about what success means to us let me throw a few phrases at you and see if they stick shannon Okay, if anyone's watching this on YouTube, if you can revert to the podcast version so that you don't see how uncomfortable I am as Julie reads through the things that may or may not affect me, I'd really appreciate that. Thank you so much. (laughs) You are hilarious. I love it. So let's go through these phrases that may resonate. If they do resonate, maybe we've got a bit of a fear of failure going on. And I think a lot of us many of these boxes so a core belief that we may be moving through life with is that failure means i'm a failure another one i regret the times that i have failed how often do we wake up at one o'clock in the morning thinking about (laughs) something that we failed at years ago we go oh good can't get to sleep but i can focus on that for the next two hours (laughs) so useful (laughs) brain so useful Oh, yeah, yeah. Another one is other people look down on me if I fail. How about failure means, this taps into what you just mentioned before, failure means I am not good enough. People may stop loving me if I fail. Again, what you mentioned, people may stop loving me if I fail. What a terrible thing. Failure means life is a struggle. That's a big one. And you can see that with people that never feel like they can raise their head above the water. They're like, why would I even try? Because I just fail anyway because life is a struggle. Do you know what I love to say to those? Okay. Mm. (laughs) Keep going then. Okay. Okay. Give give up. It's obviously working well for you. Give up. So, you know, there's no point. Might as well stop. Yeah. Stop everything. Yeah. Stop trying. It's okay. Yeah. Just give, give up. up. Just give up. <laughs> <laughs> and then it reminds me of uh, what someone said, and I, you know, I've said before, I've quoted from this man once before, and I have apologised for the source, but I think the phrase is good because it was from Dr. Phil. <laughs> oh, Julie. Oh, listeners, I'm sorry. Oh. I'm sorry on behalf of all of our avid <laughs> fans. <laughs> say this decades ago it's always stuck with me because i love it and so 
when someone says I shouldn't even try anymore because I always fail and life is just a struggle or the whatever I you know this is the way I've always reacted this is the way I always think or whatever to have them turn around and say oh good how's that working for you (laughs) (laughs) terribly so I'm so committed to it it's good to be see it's good to be good at something I'm good at failing. Just lead me to it. Go <laughs> <laughs> <Don't> me. <mean. laughs> another phrase is, or another belief could be, uh, I must avoid failure. So sometimes we could be forgiven to be getting into that groove of, I'm moving through my life, not ever wanting to fail again in the future. How unconscious do you think some people are on these beliefs? What I mean by that question, Julie, I just want to throw this around as a as a bit of a consideration. I, to be fair, as you were reading through the success things, that probably resonated more than the fear of failure things. Yeah. But the, I do have really good strategies to avoid things. I'm very good at avoiding things. Fair, I'm very good at that. Like, if you want something avoided, give it to me. Shannon, <laughs> top 20 reasons why you shouldn't do that thing now. <laughs> but I wouldn't consciously say that I'm running that strategy out of a fear of failure. So yeah. how can people, if these aren't resonating with people, how do you think that they can become aware that those patterns are that the ice, I was going to say the ice cream, the iceberg, <laughs> the, you know, more <laughs> unconscious bit of the iceberg. How can we sort of work out whether that's in play, even if we're not saying those words to ourselves? I would say the Japanese why five times. Okay, Shannon. tell me more. Why? <laughs> why do you say that? So the Japanese have a process of determining exactly what the root problem is in a production line situation or some sort of business space but I love doing it with trying to tap into what's actually driving our behavior and the Japanese why five times it's just you ask why 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 five times to get to the root cause for example I could say Shannon why are you coming up with excuses not to do the thing because it's better than doing the thing Oh, sorry, I got. Oh, sorry, I have to give five steps to get to the answer. And why is it better to not do the thing? This is good, actually. I'm already on a thing. Why is it better to not do the thing? Because then I get to stay safe. And why do you need to stay because safe? Because otherwise I'll get kicked out of my tribe and I'll die. <laughs> <laughs> And so when we, on the surface, for example, to give you another example, if someone is annoying me, (laughs) what I've deemed to be annoying behaviour, at a dental practice, for example, and someone says, can you do this? And I snap at them uncharacteristically because normally I'm a magnificently delightful human being, totally in control of my responses. Who's this woman snapping? Doesn't sound like the Julie I know. That's right. 
I've heard about this person. And they snap. And so you think to yourself, straight away we go into that usual conscious brain, not take responsibility space of I had every right to snap because I was busy. Everyone comes at me with things all the time. Can you just give me a bit of peace? I'm I'm allowed to be snappy every now and again. For goodness sakes, I've got so much pressure on. I've got this going on and that going on. And so we go into that space to justify the response that we know deeper down we wish Mm -hmm. we'd never done, had that response. And then you go, why am I feeling this way? I'm feeling this way because I am really busy and I do want to put across to that person that I'm really busy. So So snapping kind of came out as a way of controlling what they asked of me because then if they were more measured in how they asked something of me, then I would have more time or I wouldn't have to do it or I could delegate it to somebody else and I wouldn't have to do the thing myself. Why Why that? Well, because I just want, I want to be able to deliver a good performance in no matter what I do. I already had a number of things on my plate and I didn't want to deliver a bad performance on that thing. Why does that bother you? Because I'm a consultant going out to dental practices and I am paid to be very good at what I do and I sh- people should be able to put a whole bunch of things on my plate and I should be able to manage it gloriously. Why does it bother you that you may have dropped the ball on one thing? Because it means I'm not good enough. And so when you ask yourself why the f- five times, it breaks you through that space that we sometimes experience where we try to justify our initial reactions, our initial actions, our, the, the, our habits of life, our behaviours, because we're, not, we're trying to not take complete responsibility in that moment. And so asking why five times pushes through that bit real quick so you can actually start to understand what's truly going on for you and why you're thinking and feeling a certain mm. way. Very good. Okay. So... Was there other items on your failure list? Because I think you'd added some items which I really liked. I did. So the the they're the things that the beliefs that we can often have around failure, the ones that I've just listed then. Tony Robbins, magnificent Tony Robbins, he said there are four signs that you have are suffering or that you are experiencing fear of failure. Number one, you worry what other people think. Number two, you set low expectations on yourself. Mm -hmm. Number three, you procrastinate. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Number four, you can't move on from failures. And you go through that list and you're like, yeah, yeah, I can see myself in all of Mm -hmm. those things at varying degrees over my life. And maybe we live with this for our whole life but we are going to go into later on in the episode, we are going to be talking about what we can do to overcome these fears as well. So we're not going to just leave everyone hanging there going, oh, I had no idea how useless that was. <laughs> <laughs> now I, now it's clear to me. Thank you so much. <laughs> the additional signs of that fear of failure may be going on for you, I've added another three things. Number one is perfectionism because if we continue waiting for it to be perfect, then we never have to put it out there. And, you know, I think you've spoken about in the past, Shannon, or somebody has, you know, when we're creating an online course, for example, we can go, but it's not quite right yet, but it's not quite right yet because when it's quite right, that means I have to actually launch it, publish it, and it's therefore 
for scrutiny by other people. And so perfectionism can certainly stop us from moving forward. Uh, easily distracted, what you were talking about, your 20 reasons not to do the thing. <laughs> and avoid responsibility as well. I think the avoidance of responsibility in the moment can be a sign of fear of failure. What do you think of those? I think they're great. I think it definitely touches on certainly understandings that I've got for how I avoid failure. I I just um, I have a couple to add that I've just found that I Please. think yeah. are, are very helpful because it also connects to some of our podcast episodes. <laughs> nice, nice. I love, I love when, when that, that happens. happens. One of the things was that success and their, and therefore fear of fear of not doing it is that um, it's a natural talent. So if I don't have the natural talent, then I'm likely to fail at it. So there's no point in trying. Mm-hmm. And that really is a growth, that really is about that growth mindset. And it does go to those beliefs around that it doesn't matter what talent I have, if I focus my energy and attention on improving in that area or, or striving for that goal or, or being successful in that way, then I will be successful. My natural talent doesn't evolve around that. And the other thing is, and this is certainly something that um, Shannon may or may not uh, have experienced, is the frustration that success happens overnight, that it is, mm. I think, the fear, and this, this isn't so much the success, I think the fear of failure is that, well, if I haven't done it overnight, then it does go to the thing of I'm not good enough and therefore I fail, whereas actually acceptance that, Success takes a lot of steps and it's normally, you know, two steps forward, five steps back, one step forward, six steps back, 10 steps forward, 20 steps back. Like it just, it's sort of an ongoing process. Um, And so I've certainly, because I'm sort of like, I'm not there yet, I've failed, that actually does impact me and certainly stops me. Um, I don't want it to be Shannon's therapy session, but it certainly has stopped me and and certainly been a a factor in. And again, it's not so much failure, but certainly there's a driving mechanism underneath the the, the icicle, (laughs) the the snow cone. The, uh, the iceberg uh, that, that is driving behaviours because, you know, that frustration, I don't know it yet or I'm not there yet, um, means I'm not good enough, which is the thing. I reckon that's a classic one because my journey, which I think is very similar to anyone in my space, you include, Shannon, where your success is how artfully you market your message word your message, design your promotional material, structure the message, the words that you use. There are 500 things that you need to get right when you are exposing yourself or putting an impression on people time and time and time again, whether it's through email campaigns or Facebook advertising or whatever it is that you do to promote yourself. There are so many adjustments and tweaking that you need to do in order to get the 500 things right that all of a sudden then, yes, you've got constant sales coming through. And when, but we don't know that at the start because that's a learning journey. If you, unless you've studied marketing, then you learn it as mm. you go. And you 
start to recognize, oh, that's another area that I need to get that right. Oh, that's another area. So the inclination is to put out your first advertising campaign and look at it. You know, no, I'm bored. I mustn't be good enough. And that doubt comes in, maybe you were never mm. good enough. Maybe this whole thing will mm. fail. All of a sudden, you can imagine how that then impacts the energy that you take with you as opposed to, of course, it didn't work. I'm sure there's plenty of things mm. to learn. I'll find out all that crucial information sooner so it doesn't take me 10 years to learn all of that stuff. But, of course, it was never going to work the first time around because it is about that, then, then what that core belief is. The core belief is that when I try once, it must be successful. But when we challenge that, we go, what makes you think that? Is that realistic? You go, quite possibly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It, 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 yes. <laughs> yes, you are correct. So tell me, Julie, a little bit more about the fear of success, because I think this is one of those fears that people don't believe exists like you, like, like you shared with us. Success is just a pretty picture. Why wouldn't you want it? Are you stupid? <laughs> we all want it, Julie. <laughs> but one of a few of these uh, phrases that came up in my brain when Charles was taking me through the process of helping me discover what fear of success actually is. So these are some. This is a, a collection of phrases or beliefs that we may have around success. Number one: Will I lose my friends if I were to be successful? Of course, I was never afraid of losing my friends. You know, I've got the best friends in the world. I'm a very good person. But that, it, that goes into that sort of tribal fear. Like, if I yeah. lose my friends, then who am who am I? Uh, and that, and therefore, yeah. you know, what does that mean? Mm. And I haven't. I don't think I've identified it. But you, I think you've just identified it. Uh, who am I? Ooh. You know, what my identity is made up of. What I believe about myself mm. right now. What I believe about myself right now is what I've achieved mm. to date. And so if you propose to me what the successful version of me or more successful version of me looks like, that is foreign mm. to me. And so my identity, I don't know who I am. This is really a really good time to bring in the framework to change anything in your life, to, to say my new identity is this person who is not afraid of success. That's and if people are curious about what we're mm. talking about, that is is episode number 21. Go back and listen to it. Shannon's framework to change anything in your life. Not just some anything. things. And anything what was our growth mindset one? I think it was three or four, episode three or four or five or six. It was a single digit one. It was Check me out. Shannon. Woo-hoo. <laughs> She's got a marvellous memory. Marvellous memory. <laughs> I wasn't afraid to put that out there, Julie. <laughs> another, another belief that we may have around success that develops that's a fear, a fearful belief is there will be a higher level of expectation on me if I were to be mm. successful, and that's actually mm. true. It's just what meaning you attach to that, whether you become excited by it or feel put upon by it as a yeah, burden. Yeah, and I think that's that kind of comfort zone thing a little bit, like for me, because it's sort of like, well, if I feel uncomfortable now doing this thing, then I'm going to be a hell of a lot more uncomfortable doing that sort of successful thing what what happens after that because there's only so much of the comfort zone that we can push against before we start to shrink back a little bit so I think sometimes it's that uncomfortability of the comfort zone which does go back to the 
go back to beliefs, go back to knowing that you're yeah. always, as long as you're always pushing the comfort zone, the comfort zone pushes out, the comfortability actually expands. But certainly for me, that that high level of expectation or what does the future hold? Because if it's really uncomfortable today, I don't know if I want that level of uncomfortability. Yeah, or discomfort. Look, I like to make up words, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> a word I may have just made up a word I'm going to add it to the urban dictionary (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to jump in with a little I don't think I've mentioned this in this podcast before it's a story it's it's become one of my stories because I think it's so magnificent tell me a story let me lie back and (laughs) (laughs) try get a cup of tea (laughs) it is around that concept of I overestimated what I could get done in one year and underestimated what I could get done in 10 years didn't quite gel with me because I thought, gosh, so many people, myself included, think, okay, 10-year goal, it's outlandish. I'm making a school with dollars, I'm living in a palace and I have a tiara and everybody loves me. (laughs) And I hear many, many people make huge goals for 10 years down the track. So I'm thinking, how is that? How can we be underestimating what we could get done in 10 years? And through my research around this, I came across a fantastic article that was written by somebody who mentioned a game called Osmos. It's an online game called Osmos. And in this game, you are a organism and you're moving around the liquid medium and you're coming across other organisms. Some organisms are smaller than you, and so you can bump into those ones because they're smaller than you. You bump into them, you overcome them, in essence, and they become part of you, and you grow that little bit bigger because you've taken on that smaller organism. But if you want to bump into an organism that was larger than you, it would gobble you up, and that would be the end of your game. And if you liken that to the challenges that we face as human beings, We look at challenges, we assess them. Am I up for the task or am I not? I'll take on those smaller ones. That's no big deal. I'll I'll take on the smaller organisms. That big one, oh, no, I'm going to steer clear of that one. But as we're overcoming the smaller challenges and we're getting bigger and bigger and bigger, we are taking on organisms that are that little bit bigger, that little bit bigger, because we are bigger than them now. And when we come across that huge, big, challenging organism, at some point, that organism is going to be smaller than us. We have would have grown to a degree that we can now bump into that large challenge, that large organism, and take it on, and our game is not over. We are bigger mm-hmm. because of it. And this is why we underestimate what we could achieve in 10 years' time because we have no idea the level of growth and development that we will have achieved. So the goals that we're setting ourselves in 10 years' time are beyond what we could possibly find that we are capable of right now in today. Mm. And so when we're looking at this fear of success, there will be a higher level of expectation on me and I might not be up for the task. Mm. That belief around the Osmos mm. game is a very useful one to help shift that belief, say, of course I'll be up for mm. the task. Because I would have grown by yeah. that point. Assuming that you're continually pushing out that comfort zone and actually embracing the yeah. challenge around the comfort zone and embracing the un- uncomfortability or discomfort, whichever word is right. 
um, of of those those um, they're pushing it they're pushing against their comfort zone. So yeah, yeah. Absolutely. What other beliefs or what other things could I be telling myself on the uh, success side of things, Julie? That's leading me down the uh, wrong garden path. <laughs> wrong garden path. Maybe I will have greater responsibility on my shoulders, and so I'm trying to avoid that. Mm-hmm. More people will depend on me. Mm. Commitment issues. What if I am not? Commitment Pardon? issues. Commitment issues. That's right. <laughs> what if I am not up to the task? Mm. I will not be able to sustain my success. Oh, that one hit me. When you and I, you helped me through a particular, uh, one of our past episodes, you were taking me through a process. Maybe it was episode 21. Mm. Uh, but that was a big part of what, you know, what needs to change in order for me to embrace the success of having a $1 million turnover a year business one of the theories that I had was that then I have to then sustain that success. Maybe I want to avoid that. Yep. What happens if I fail and lose all of the success that I've earned? Yeah, because if you never got it in the first place, then you've got nothing to lose, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, you can think about that with love, mm. can't you? You know, if you've been heartbroken a couple of times or even with pet ownership, I've had a couple of dogs that I just love so much, but then they die. So I'm not going to even do it again anymore. Not going to get another partner. Not going to get another dog. Because <laughs> if I don't develop that that level of intensity, that success, that love, that whatever, then I've got nothing to lose. It doesn't hurt when it mm. goes. What if I change and my partner or my family no longer love me? Again, goes back to what you have been those three core. I'm not going to be enough. I'm not going to belong. And I'm not mm. going to be loved. What if I get too busy to do the things that are important to me? What if I'm so busy maintaining this tremendous mm. success that all of a sudden I'm not enjoying my life mm. anymore? And this one is big. What if I turn into someone I don't even like? Yeah. Like what if the belief around success means that you have to become arrogant or egotistical or ruthless? What if I have that belief around what a successful person looks like and I actually don't like myself? And that that is resonates so much with regard to money beliefs. I think that a lot of people mm. are afraid of actually being financially successful because there is this unconscious belief that in order to get there, I've got to be a beephole and I don't want to be that person. And so if I'm successful, I will have had to have turned into a person who I don't respect in order to get there and therefore I'm not going to put in the effort because I don't want to be that person, which sounds a little bit like who would believe that? But it, it's so true because we, we, you know, we, we look at something that we don't like and we're like, I don't want to be that way. And instead of going, I'm not going to be that way and I'm going to use positive references of successful people and how they act and interact, I'm going to use that as my excuse as to why I won't work toward my success which goes into all of these unconscious kind of drivers that we're not even aware of but but certainly kind of going instead of picking a good uh, frame of, of reference a positive frame of reference I'm going to pick a bad frame of reference and then it justifies why I don't need to be successful because I don't want to be that that poor frame of reference yes yeah, spot on spot on mm. What if I don't like the lifestyle of the successful me? So 
this I read this one. I thought, oh, I can see how that could work. So if you've got someone that wants to be wildly successful, but in their brains they think, but then I'd have to do a lot of networking, meeting a lot of new people. Maybe I'd have to speak publicly. Maybe I'd have to try to motivate a group of team members. Or what if I don't like what that level of success looks like in terms of my lifestyle what's required mm. of me? What if I don't like the workload? You know, what if I put such a burden on myself that in order to maintain the success so I don't fail and all the rest, I'm now doing a workload on my daily schedule that I don't mm. like. And then, mm. and then you've got that whole, I got it. In order to continue doing it, I need to be unhappy in the work that I'm doing, which means then I will lose what I had, which then, you know what, I might just, not do it in the first place not do it in the first place and you know you can really see how we could be subconsciously painting a pretty ugly picture mm. of what value looks like and what success mm. looks like so we just stay in the middle there not really pushing ourselves not really doing anything outside of you because you know better the devil mm. you know i know how to be happy mm. here yeah <laughs> i don't know how to be yeah there. and that's so true mm. so where, where are you at with your list and how do we fix it if we're... So let me just throw a couple more out there. Uh, I, actually don't, I actually don't want my life to change and that's what we kind of in essence mm. was just saying. I, just, I don't want my life to change. I want to be successful mm. <laughs> and get a bunch of money and get a bunch of prestige or whatever, but I don't want to change. And that core belief a lot of us have, you know, that imposter syndrome in the back of the brain, who do you think you are? you think you are that you are better than anybody else that you deserve that kind of success that you uh have enough skills enough experience enough insight and mm -hmm. wisdom to be able to be successful with that you? one um this is very much an australian australian cultural thing at that tall poppy syndrome so much as yeah. our own unconscious biases are there telling us we're not good enough australia does have a bit of a tall poppy syndrome and it's it's quite out there because people do have that well hang on who are you to kind of smancy around in your fancy whatever and you know and and that's that kind of i'm afraid i'll lose my friends but there is this kind of keep keep the good man down mentality in australia and i think that it's good to be aware of that 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 is going to be in play and to be prepared for that and to be able to be comfortable just rising above it that that it doesn't mean that you're not good enough. It doesn't mean that you're going to turn into this person. That is a cultural challenge that goes on that you just need to be aware of and manage your own beliefs around what that actually means. Yeah, because it can play out in I know that people will try to drag me down and so I'm going to make sure I beat them to the punch, drag myself down first so there's nothing that they can do to Self-depreciation, yeah. Me. Yeah. And so yeah. one of the strategies on that one, I know that we don't want to jump to strategies, but definitely, you know, you're, you're the sum of the five people you hang out with. So you make sure that the five people that you most hang out with are those people who are rising you up, who are challenging, challenging you to be better and not bringing you down into a level that keeps them comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. So the symptoms that you may be living with a fear of success is procrastination, like a fear of failure, procrastination. Then if I don't, have, I'll put off getting the thing done because then if I don't get the thing done, one, I won't fail, but I also won't have to face the success of yep. either, that ugly picture of success. 
Also, if you downplay your successes, even your small ones, that tall poppy thing, like I'm going to drag myself down, bring myself down before anybody else gets a chance to do it. Imposter syndrome, we've already mentioned that one as well. Who do you think you are that you actually don't feel like you belong in mm. that world? Self-sabotage, you also just mentioned that one as well, that we will sabotage our own best efforts in order to avoid this ugly scene of success. <laughs> Surround, again, you, you're just hitting the nail on the head here, Shannon. I, I didn't realise that I was, uh, that I'd, I'd taken over your presentation. I'm sorry, Julie. Not taken over. We're so We're synced in. This is another one of our synced in moments. Because the next one is surrounding yourself with people who do not challenge you. So whether some of the five people around us. So we don't want to become terribly successful. And so I will have a group of people around me who don't particularly challenge me because then it's okay that I'm not successful. And another symptom is that we just quit. It all gets too much and overwhelming, so I'm just mm. going to dump it. I'm just mm. going to quit. I'm not even procrastinate. I'm quitting. That's it. Mm. Where does wine consumption that's one of the coping mechanisms. That okay, right, right, right. As a, as a good strategy? <laughs> as a really good Great. strategy. I'm on and track. This quote by, there's this quote by Dennis Waitley that I think is worth having said out loud. Procrastination is the fear of success. People procrastinate because they are afraid of the success that they know will result if they move ahead now because success is heavy carries a responsibility with it. It is much easier to procrastinate and live on the someday aisle philosophy. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I want to answer that, but I'm just going to look at something shiny instead. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And so what do we do to overcome? If, if I've gone through this, these beliefs, and these symptoms, and there are people out there that think to themselves, "Why, oh, crikey, I think I do have a fear of failure. I think I do have a fear of success, and it might be hindering my progress. What do we do about that? I mean, what we're talking about is tapping into the core beliefs that we have that quite often were generated and implanted in our subconscious brains before the age of mm. seven. And I've mentioned Dr. Bruce Lipton in the past. You know, we are moving through this world with some core beliefs that were established when we were very, very little and we've never challenged mm. them. So we need to challenge them and establish a different belief in order for these fears not to rise up and hinder our progress. And I think I, I think before we kind of look at what the beliefs are, having an awareness, so if anything that has been said today is actually a little bit like, oh, actually, that feels like this could be me, awareness is the first part. Because as I, as I mentioned, I'm not necessarily walking around going, I must avoid failure, I must avoid failure, I must avoid failure. But there's behaviours that I'm doing that are... are on some level saying I must avoid failure. So if procrastination is there, if there's avoidance strategies that are there, if I am playing small, if I'm hanging out with the, the people who are keeping me gr grounded, not in a healthy way, um, if, I am, if I am not wanting to set targets or goals because actually it makes me feel uncomfortable because I never achieve it anyway. Again, it's not a conscious awareness that you're 
afraid of failure, but that's a, that's a symptom of it. So I think challenge yourself to become aware that perhaps it's in play and then let's look at, okay, so what are these unconscious drivers? So how do I find out once I've become aware, how do I find out what my beliefs are around that awareness? And I think it is just asking why until you mm-hmm. get there. Okay. I agree with you. I think sometimes we can – acknowledgement is all it takes sometimes. And so if you go, gosh, I've asked myself why, 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 and I've discovered that I must never fail. Failure is unacceptable. I am terribly uncomfortable with failure. There's everything bad about it, nothing good about it. And when we are in our adult conscious brain recognizing that's my belief quite often we can go it's ridiculous of course I'm going to fail that's how Mm. I grow so I can just say to myself now that's no longer helpful or relevant or needed now I know my conscious belief is I must fail in order to grow and develop and progress and become successful and so I'm quite happy that I've kind of acknowledged it enough that I've replaced it with the more helpful belief other times such as who do you think you are, imposter syndrome, possibly of um, I don't think I'm going to like my life. What if I don't like my life once I'm successful? I think these ones need the process of retraining your brain in that particular Mm. belief. So once you've identified that core unhelpful belief, it's about making sure you replace it with the more helpful belief. An example would be, um, people may stop loving me when I'm successful. Or you know, for me, when I went through this with Charles, I'm, what if I become so successful that the thing that made us connect and be and have a happy marriage, what if that's not there anymore? It changes and we don't have a happy mm. marriage. And Charles says, what if it made it better? Mm. What if you became more successful and we could then, this is before COVID, we had this discussion, we could travel all over the world and have these beautiful experiences and seeing different cultures and evolving together as a couple. What if that happened mm. instead? That's just as likely as mm. the other. Mm. And so you identify what the more helpful belief would be and then you do what you need to do in order to shift that belief. Some beliefs will be very easy to shift, just through acknowledgement, Some will need quite a bit of work. But as you know, one of the ways that Dr. Bruce Lipton says that we can shift our beliefs is through hypnosis. I go to a hypnotherapist and get them to help shift that belief. And I've recently interviewed for my dental podcast a hypnotherapist who gets incredible results. 97% of people quitting smoking or changing their drinking habits or eating habits, habits that have been in place for decades and just shifting after two or three sessions. Extraordinary. Mm. So certainly hypnosis can work. If you don't go, if you need help quicker than that, or you don't have the money for a hypnosis series of hypnosis visits, or can't find a good one, then what I have found enormously helpful are my empower walks. So you've heard of a power walk. My empower walk is where I identify the helpful belief, such as I'm super confident, and you find a phrase that really resonates with you. And you repeat it over and over and over again under your breath as you're doing a half hour, one hour walk. You keep repeating it, repeating it, repeating it, repeating it verbatim, ad nauseum. And what you'll find is that it will start becoming the background noise in your head and you'll start thinking consciously 
about all the other things that are going on in your life, but you'll still be aware of this helpful belief being repeated over and over again because you kind of set the tape. You're throwing the old mm-hmm. tape out, you put the new tape in through that repetition. What I, what I love about that is um, I've shared that I, I love a rumination. I love to worry. I love spending copious amounts of emotional and mental energy on things that are 100% irrelevant. It's good. It's good. It's helpful. I, I uh, reprogrammed when I was ruminating on it about a certain thing to a mantra. And every time I thought of the thing that I was ruminating about, I switched it to this mantra. And I've actually found different scenario now where I've started ruminating about this problem that I have. And it's not, I'm not solving it because I'm just churning it around in my head instead of sort of focusing on how do I actually solve this problem, journaling around it, like active, proper, good, productive thinking. So I've started to use that mantra again. And it makes such a difference because once you've programmed and you're taking on that mantra, there's like, it's, there's a secondary, there's a secondary gain from it. Cause it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's what I believe. So that I'm no longer ruminating, yeah. but now I've got this um, fantastic mantra. So thank you. I love it. I love it. My pleasure. And if people want to try this, uh, don't think you then have to have daily walks trying to manage 10 different beliefs. You do it one yeah. at a time. And once you've gone through two or three days repeating the same thing over and again, then it becomes very quick to jump back into that new, more helpful belief because you just say it to yourself in your mind a couple of times. You're like, oh, that's right, that's my new belief. And you jump back into it really quick. I'm being amazed by that. So it's not a laborious process. But if you do challenge yourself on each of your unhelpful beliefs about anything, and a lot of mine have been, I'm super confident, I'm a super, um, super productive, I am a magnificent presenter, <laughs> uh, I'm, a, I'm a magnificent performer, Whatever it is that you feel like you need to shift the belief around, do it. You'll be amazed at how, and I've had a few people now come up to me. I've got a coaching client, and she said to me, when you told me to do that, I thought, you're such an idiot. <laughs> and I was hoping that my face wasn't telling you that, but I was thinking, oh, whatever. <laughs> and she said, but I thought I'm going to give it a go, and I gave it a go, and it works. And she did that. I'm super productive. She said, the amount I've got stuff stuff I got done that day was mm. ridiculous compared to before because you get rid of all the resistance around getting big stuff done because that's what you do you just get mm. stuff done so I think it's a really helpful um process to go through and if anybody wants to be taken through the process that I go through uh, on the Julie Parker Practice Success podcast I'll put a link in the show notes to the it's a self-confidence episode that I did and it also has a six minute um, Bruce Lipton recording that is set to music in the background and it's a great way of kind of putting yourself in a great mindset to start your own mantra and within that six minute recording he says it's more than just an affirmation that you put on your fridge and he talks about that's more like a suggestion whereas if you repeat it over and again you know that's a mantra that's something that's actually shifting that core Mm -hmm. belief. The other thing I've got written down here, which goes back to what you were talking about, what if I don't like the successful version of me? What if I don't want to be successful because I don't want to have those characteristics? 
a great way to manage that kind of fear would be is goes back to what you love, Shannon, values. Use that as a calling card to identify the values of being a good human being. And once you've identified your values, you can release that core belief because it won't end up being you. You've got to take your values with I you. I think also what I would suggest is is creating a life by design, and that's probably someone's branded that. But when people sort of set up their vision boards for their future life, focus on what is – if I was going to design my ideal life in the future, and one of the activities in life coach school, going bringing up bringing back the old school stuff, is to is to define your ideal day and to think about in an ideal in your ideal life on an ideal day. This is not about you know sitting on the beach sipping mimosas from at nine a.m. This is life as standard. But what does my day look like? Who am I interacting with? Who, what's important to me? Where am I focusing my energy and my time? How do I spend my money? How do I spend my spare time? So you actually build a life by design and then make sure that your daily activities are working towards that life by design, living certain level of values and things like that. Now in your life by design, if your fear of success is that when you've got this success, you're going to be a B-pole, in your life by design, think about how you will act, how you will behave, what values you have, how you'll treat people in this successful successful version of you and and continue to reinforce this life by design because if you can conceive it, you can achieve it and when you conceive it as you actually want it to be, then it really challenges those core beliefs around, oh, well, I'm going to have to be that person to, in order to have this. So I completely agree with you, Shannon. And then when you went through with me the framework to change anything in your life, you had me design my day. And I wrote at the time, my days will be spent because I usually go on site to practices quite often. But now with my the club membership, my days will be spent doing research, developing content doing the podcast, so getting guests and recording the podcast, editing the podcast. I'll continue on with my blog that happens every week. I'll be doing the lunch and learns, putting them together for the weekly lunch and learns that the members get, and I'll be networking, doing a whole bunch of networking. And it was ridiculous. You don't think – I don't think I'm responsible for lockdown. <laughs> but within a couple of weeks of identifying my ideal day when I'm successful – that's exactly what my day was because I couldn't go back out to practices during the lockdowns. And so my days became that. So I was like, wow, that's strong manifestation. Everyone has to come on for the life. For the but I actually think, there's, again, this is just how you look at two sides of, sides of the coin, right? If you hadn't have done that work to say, in my ideal day, I spend it like this, put it back into lockdowns, you could have actually spent your days kind of churning your wheels and kind of getting angry and frustrated at the situation, whereas you were like, well, how awesome is this? The life by design that I really want is now available to me, so now I can implement it. So I think sometimes actually taking the time to really think about these things can really help us to set a pathway and have awareness to say, oh, wow, that opportunity is now in front of me. Look at me creating this life that I said I was going to create. Yeah. Just 
one thing I wanted to add in. I hope it's valuable. And that is, can I, constant and never-ending improvement. So my embracing of the constant and never-ending improvement as a core value that drives me through my life has forced me to embrace other concepts and the beliefs that I may have, and unhelpful beliefs that I may have attached to that. So constant Kaizen is the Japanese version of it. Tony Robbins talks a lot about it. Can I constant and never-ending improvement? If I am truly committed to that, then what I also need to completely embrace are what's required for me to constantly and never-ending improve. Mm. Sorry, to be on a constant and never-ending improvement journey. And that is improvement indicates that there is to improve. If I'm not already improving upon them, then clearly I am blind mm. to them. And so I need to be able to seek feedback from other people around me to help me identify areas that I can improve. And so I, in order for me to be on my can I journey, I must embrace free feedback. Therefore, I must embrace everything that goes along with that mm. feedback. I must shift the meaning of feedback from criticism to feedback, helpful, helps me improve. The other thing is it makes purely logical sense that we must make mistakes in order to improve. In fact, that is the only way we improve is by making mistakes. And so it forces me to embrace mistakes as well as great things. Part of my journey of improvement, not something that stops me from progressing. Mm. I had a, I, I want to note on the mistakes side of things. I had a client that was yeah. there. One of their values was really about innovation and really about kind of improvement and change and things like that. And one of their key performance indicators was the number of mistakes that got reported in, and the higher the number the more excited they were. They celebrated their mistakes and they actually used it as part of a culture change because it's like, let's let's celebrate that we found this mistake or this problem so that we can develop a solution for it. So actually they were looking for failure in order to live this value of innovation and constant change. I love it. For a reframe on a mistake. Really fantastic. Really fantastic. Another area that we I must embrace in order to for my constant never-ending improvement journey to live out is what happens before we're good at anything, when we're still learning the thing, while we're still making mistakes in the thing, we feel incompetent. Mm. So I have to embrace incompetence because that's the starting point of all mm. growth. Yep. <laughs> so it forces me, and this is what you were talking about with the comfort zone. You've got the comfort zone, but just outside the comfort zone is the growth zone. And the growth zone, you're always feeling elements of, of incompetence in the growth zone. So see that feeling of incompetence rather than something to be avoided. See it as and embrace it as, oh, wonderful, this means I'm mm. growing. Mm-hmm. And the fourth element of can I is practice. Don't resist the amount of times you need to get something done before you master mm. it. Yeah, I'm, I'm that guy. I only like to do it once. I'm, I, I hate inefficiency, so I figure if I have to do it more than once, then it's been, it's been <laughs> like, uh, it's like when you were working on a Word document and it's three pages long and you've forgotten to save it and then it doesn't save. It's like, come on, why? <laughs> you know, it's really interesting. When I've, I've been writing my blog now for, I think, seven or eight years 
And most of the time it has been weekly, at the longest fortnightly. There was a couple of instances where I didn't do it for a month or two at a time, but they were rare. And was because we don't sometimes see how quickly we do progress, how much we do grow in that, you know, that Osmos thing, how much we become, you know, we do grow and get better. Because we, in the moment, we're always feeling it's such an incremental, slow incremental thing. But with the blog, because I put everything in my online diary, I have really said, I just to put two hours aside to write a blog, only a 300-word blog, and I put two hours aside because it would take me that long to have a thought and put a concept to it and do a bit of research and then put it all down on paper and then reread it and then edit it and then I eventually give it to Charles for a final edit to make sure it's grammatically correct because he's very good with that. But the amount of time I've needed for my blog articles has gone down, 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 down. Now I get it done in half an hour. And if we had some sort of gauge of growth in many areas of our lives, I think it would be an inspiration and help motivate us for future growth because we can actually see more tangibly, gosh, I do improve when I put my Mm. mind to it. Okay. So, Julie... I think we are probably well and truly at time. And I don't mean that with any disrespect. This is not a failure. <laughs> this, is, this is not a failure at all. So, so let me quickly do the wrap. Yeah, thank you. And we will sign off. So Beautiful. We have quite often fears of failure and fear of success. And fear of failure often looks at regretting times that I've failed or or people will look down on me or that I'm not going to be good enough. Fear of success is often fear of what the future will look like so and what responsibilities I'm going to have as a result of being successful. And ways to shift that is to start off with an awareness around that this is actually in play and there are behaviours that you're running that are helping you to avoid either failure or success. Think about the beliefs that you are holding in relation to these behaviours, these driving behaviours. So what are the beliefs? What beliefs do you have? And then looking at a reframe on that belief, how can you look at it differently using the, the constant repetition of a mantra or an affirmation to help shift those beliefs, but also defining your life, the life in the future. My future life is someone who embraces failure as opportunities for growth and and opportunities for improvement. And this person in the future actually uses success to drive great relationships, to drive improvement, again, improvement, and Focus also on that constant and never-ending improvement. Where where were you now? Where will you be in the future? If you embrace this change as something that isn't about improvement. Did I cover everything off, Julie? You, as always, did it magnificently. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, Julie, <laughs> as always, a wonderful, informative growth podcast episode growth my words aren't working (laughs) i will i will improve on that in the future i am a good speaker i I am a good good speaker speaker. i can use i I use my words proper i use my words proper i use my words proper (laughs) and i'm sorry to those people that that really physically had an effect on i used my words properly thank you good (laughs)
Thanks, Jen. So lovely as always. I look forward to seeing you Ciao. next time. Bye.